Hello and welcome. On this week's episode, we take a look at some of the images coming out for Spider-Man's new movie, No Way Home, including Hot Toys' new action figures, as well as figures from Funko and Lego. James Gunn has a lot to say about the difference between DC and Marvel as he does the press junket tour for his new film, Suicide Squad. The first reviews are out and they say it is fantastic. Michael Winslow shows up on America's Got Talent. The old folks listening to this are going to ask, he's already famous. The young people will ask, who? <laughs> and Goonies releases a brand new board game. It's unfortunate Richard Donner wasn't around to see it, but it looks like it holds some of his spirit. Arthur, our ever intrepid gamer, as always, is going to tell us all about it. We will be diving deep into the final episode of Loki for all time, always. And we will be talking about the new release from Marvel, Black Widow, which I thought was called Black Widow Deadly Origins, but apparently there's a lot about this movie that's been changed over the years. We get into it this week on... Tales to Admonish! <laughs> Pretty well, extreme, right? I love it. Oh, thank you. Thank you for not screaming <laughs> in my ear. Thank you, sir. <laughs> it's funny, I like all the different versions, but the screamy ones, I mean, I, I have headphones on, so so they loud. <laughs> I'm always I'm always compressing the shit out of that in post. Speaking of oh, yeah. post, you people are welcome for your thick, thick, thick 90-minute episode last week. We're going to keep this episode <laughs> to a reasonable level because I've been busy uh, in uh, in my personal life and in my, my pumpkin life. And so I, I ain't got all that damn pumpkins. time. Got all almost that time, pumpkin Arthur. time. Yay. It's almost time for pumpkins, boy. We got exciting pumpkin news on the pumpkin horizon. So, God willing, everything goes our way. Speaking of going our way, what's going your way, Arthur? Oh, man. um, I'm actually, uh, uh, my birthday's this uh, Sunday. What? Oh, yeah. Why didn't I know that? Oh, because we've been busy, boy. (laughs) I'm going to send you something. I'm going to send you something. Oh, that's my baby, Tommy. Mm -hmm. I got something good. um, I have something I've been wanting to send you. Something that... It's for you and your daughter to share, but um, you know, send me your your address because I, I know I got it here somewhere, but I don't feel like looking. Well, let me let me get my address. Let me get my address right now and read it on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, thank you so much, man. Yeah, for sure. I'm actually going to be doing a, an event that day for 300 foster children. Oh shit, that's cool. We're doing a carnival that's being ran by a lot of cool people um on sunday so like that's going to be great send in a bunch of cool voiceover auditions this morning hope i get those nice and i have have the dates for some new uh gigs that's coming up pretty soon so other than that working on the children the children book stuff and my illustrations oh yeah yeah yeah. plug your plug your kids book one more time oh uh forgotten baby it's on amazon and uh we have a series that we're working on the first one's out but i have three more uh four more books to do Ah, that's so cool. And we'll be spending the better part of the the fall and winter trying to finish those. Yeah, I have some other books and stuff on Horizons and just a lot of stuff I've been working on. You can always check out all my stuff on um, either my Instagram, at Dreambook82, Instagram, and also Draw Really Awesome Wow, all underscored, and my website, ArthurRomeo.live. Yeah, that's enough plugging, right? (laughs) <laughs> that part comes at the end, man. I just told you to plug yeah, your I know, fucking right? book, not your whole damn life. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> God, I'm an asshole. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> oh, I love, I love, love this asshole. I know you do. I know you do. <laughs> well, you know what I want to do? I want to dive right into Arthur's Gaming Corner. Corner. Gaming Corner. Corner. Because we were talking, we were talking about Richard Donner last week, and you know how much Goonies meant to us growing up. And you were telling me you're excited for a new Goonies board game, and I was kind of like Matt on it. And I want you to get me excited for it too, because I don't know shit about games. Tell me, tell me, Arthur. I just heard about it. Um, I, I I love the board game scene, like especially like you know they're getting so creative with a lot of these board games, like it's just like a huge industry unto itself. Mm-hmm. You know, so like I just saw the news on uh, Geek Tyrant uh, the other day that uh, they're releasing uh, the Goonies uh, game. Um, I, for- I forgot the subtitle. Never Say Die. It's their logo. Yeah. 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 It's Never Say Die. That's their credo. Yeah. So it's Goonies Never Say Die. And uh, I haven't read all the rules on it, but I mean, like I'm so there, man, because it's Goonies, you know, mm-hmm. you know, like like that just seems like the perfect movie and story to make a, a board game out of. So I can't wait to see how hilarious it is. I'm sure they have a Goonies monopoly. <laughs> you know, like they 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 poured out monopoly to every freaking franchise. The the hot one, you know? like the hot <laughs> monopoly right now is Animal Crossing monopoly cuz exactly. my girlfriend's an Animal Crossing fan and I I happen to keep up on the Animal Crossing news and they said it's sold out in like the blink of an eye the Animal Crossing oh, monopoly. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I heard they have the Toxic Avenger monopoly too. <laughs> I'm just I'm just I'm just joking. <laughs> well, they, no, it'll be here soon. I'm sure because they got a new Toxic Avenger movie coming out. They're gonna revamp oh, yeah. and and what is it? Reboot Toxic Avenger. Is Seth Rogen working on that too? Oh, yeah. uh, Elijah Wood is signed on to play the bad guy. Well, of course, <laughs> I like when he plays bad guys. Oh, he's so good. He's so good. Remember him in Green Street Hooligans? I never saw Green Street Hooligans. Yeah, there was a time where he's like, uh, I always play these like nevish, nice characters. I want to play like some rough, rowdy characters. And that was like one of the first movies where he was like a little tough guy, you know? <laughs> well, he he's great in uh, Come to Daddy, which mm. is uh, a psychological thriller where he plays a podcaster who goes on the hunt to find his long lost father. And then he finds his father and his father is a raving lunatic and he gets pulled into this sort of murder scheme all while not knowing if up is down or left is right. And that's all I'm going to say about it because otherwise you give away too much of it. And, and he's amazing in cooties as well. For anybody who's never seen cooties. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so good. So yeah. So that, those are, you know, that's good fun too. Um, Oh yeah. Got on a tangent there. We were talking about board games, but then we got into the Toxic <laughs> Avenger, but that's okay. That's what we do that's, here. That's that's what I, what that's what these talks are about. <laughs> I like it. Oh, I yeah. like it. Um, speaking of stuff that's going to be coming out, uh, in addition to the Toxic Avenger, we got Spider-Man: No Way Home on the horizon, and so of course we had mm-hmm. entered the season of spoilers, where every little thing and every little piece of merchandise is going to get hyper analyzed, and Spider-Man's no no exceptions. So. Today, everyone is totally abuzz because we've gotten our first look at some of the new spider suits, and they look cool as shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I've, I've, I've talked to a lot of my students over the week about it, and, you know, some of them are kind of frustrated because some of them, like the regular Peter Parker, mm-hmm. you know, like, he's like, why isn't he in his regular suit, you know? It's like, for, for one thing, we've seen that, and that regular suit stuff was kind of a, a product of the you know, the 60s and 70s right, and, right. and stuff, you know. 
like you know this this Peter Parker is you know la- largely based off of Ultimate Spider-Man, and then mm-hmm. they they tweak the storyline for Tony Stark to kind of be his Uncle Ben, and right. naturally you know he's uh, Peter is an inventor, so I mean naturally he'd be always tweaking and making stuff you know and making new suits and doing all sorts of stuff you know so I I think that's really cool I mean then it works perfect for them to be making toys and stuff. Oh yeah, you know? he gets a new suit every movie because you got you got to sell them fucking toys. <laughs> we got to get some new outfits on these guys. I mean, they they continued that um, kind of storyline in the Spider-Man game, where it's all these crazy costumes. You know, oh, it has I mean, like eighteen different costumes in the Spider-Man game, but that's that jives with the comics. I like it. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, he's he's had he's had costumes for different costumes over the years, but like they always were just costumes unless you're talking about the symbiote costume you know or if you're talking about the alternate spider-mans or whatever yeah the symbiote's the only one that's not an actual like costume costume Mm -hmm. secret wars number nine go pick it up speaking of secret wars that's where we're completely headed oh i mean but that's like 10 years from now but yes we are going there oh yeah man it's gonna be great i probably say six years. You think six years? No, I think it's going to be more than that. They're going to need a little bit more time to get to that point. But the, the great thing is Secret Wars was only actually brought about because Hasbro had acquired a controlling stake in uh, Marvel Comics. And they wanted a book that had all of the characters fighting all of the characters. Because when you're a kid and you get your action figures... It's a mishmash. You know, Dr. Doom is fighting Wolverine, is fighting Captain America, and they're just all going at it. So they said, we want the comic book equivalent of dumping your action figures on the floor. And the whole reason Mm -hmm. that it was called Secret Wars was because they did an ass ton of market research and they found two words that rang with the highest response with kids was secret and wars. And so they just called it Secret Mm -hmm. Wars. So I I love it because you would get all those, you know, different weird team ups and 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 battles. And of course, I think with the multiverse, that's where we're going in the cinematic universe. I like the black and gold Spidey costume. And the big thing that it's really giving away about the movie is that it has like an integrated Spider-Man Doctor Strange logo on the chest and it appears to shoot Mm. magic webs. They're blue and they have the little halo around them. Like the when I didn't see oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. On the on the Hot Toys figure just came out on their Instagram yesterday, and it's got Spider-Man black and gold. He's got an illuminated Doctor Strange style logo on his chest, and he has literal magic webs. It's mm. amazing. And then Funko released a version of the red costume Spider-Man with the Doctor Strange logo on the chest and implying magic web blasters as well. So. It's mm. it's going to get wild. It's it's so funny. Rachel and I always like get on this in the MCU where if you were Iron Man, why wouldn't you just give an Iron Man suit to Hawkeye and Black Widow? You know, like don't, don't you want to protect them from bullets too? Just just give them an Iron <laughs> Man suit. Give every give Captain America an Iron Man suit. How badass would he be if you gave him an Iron Man suit that was built to withstand the torque and strength that a Captain America could exert on it. Give everybody Iron Man suits. I mean, you you, you know how those comics were, man. Like, they always kind of loved to hate each other. Then they had their own pride and, 
you know, operated their own ways. But it's ways just funny that Spider-Man stuff. gets everything. They're like, oh, he's Spider-Man. He can already do more than like half the Marvel Universe. And then we give him an Iron Man suit. And you're like, okay, well, that's pretty badass. So like, <laughs> now he gets a magic Iron Man suit. Like how many more powers can you heap on a 16-year-old boy? <laughs> Hawkeye's still out here with fucking arrows and you have Spider-Man <laughs> in a magic Iron Man suit. He's not even a grown adult. Give Hawkeye the magic Iron Man suit. He's at least a consenting adult. He's like, I will wear this suit into war. Thank you. As opposed to Peter Parker, child soldier. Mm. <laughs> so I always have to laugh about that, but they all look great. And then the only other weird fun fact to come out of this was that the Funko Pop for Doctor Strange has him holding a shovel. Of all mm. things. That's ominous. Yeah, that's that is a little ominous for sure. But but like. A shovel. And these these freaking toys always spoil everything. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, can I tell can I tell crazy. a funny anecdote um, about about well, exactly course. that? So this is your show, my bro. <laughs> thank you, sir. So uh, in the pumpkin world, a lot of times you get hired by different companies to make pumpkins for them. And one year, Marvel hired us to make a bunch of pumpkins for the release of Thor Ragnarok. So a lot of times what happens is you get a whole slew of images and you sign a release and you sign your whole life away so that you can look at these, you know, these, these images from the movie so that we can integrate them into our art. And I got my packet on Ragnarok and I'm looking through the whole thing and I see the first image of Ragnarok Hulk with the hammer, right? But it's only got like a corner of the hammer. So when I want to lay this out on a pumpkin, I want him holding the whole damn hammer. So I start mm-hmm. scouring the internet to see if there's been any other image of this. And I find a Hot Toys leak of all the action figures from the movie. So I get mm-hmm. a real clear look at the hammer. I blow it up. I redraw it. I put it into the image. And now now Hulk's got his entire hammer and his whole outfit on. So I send over my workups to, the, to my contact at Marvel. And he calls me back immediately and goes, where did you get this? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I was like, what do you mean? What do you mean? He goes, you have the entire hammer in Hulk's hand and, and it's exactly what it looks like. Why do you know what his weapons look like? And I said, well, d- Hot Toys, put out a picture. <laughs> and so he's like, on the internet. I was like, yes. He's like, send me the URL. So I sent him the URL and stuff. And then he called me back a little bit later. He's like, oh, okay. All right. That's cool. We just, we had, to, we didn't know <laughs> where that was. He's just like, was like real quick. Like, where did you get that? Just as something as simple as the weapon. You have a full picture of his weapon from the movie. How did you get it? <laughs> oh my God. So when you do those things, when you partner with like Marvel and Disney and DC and all that stuff, there's a, there's a tight, tight ring around that info and they keep it locked up. Mm-hmm. If you violate that, they will come for you. So Hot Toys, oh, Hot Toys is usually the culprit for, for, for spoiling stuff. Just because so many people work on the line and it is so damn detailed that if you see a hot toy of some movie that's coming up, you know that that's legit what that shit looks like. So I'm excited because mm-hmm. these hot toys look great for Spider-Man. And if that's what they look like, that's what he's going to look like in the movie. And I'm, I'm for it. So I'm excited for that. Sick. Nice. 
more exciting movies that are coming that looks even better than I could expect is uh, Suicide Squad by James Gunn. Yeah, man. Just we're just waiting for that to come out, man. That's going to be fantastic, man. Have you seen King Shark all over like Discovery Channel because it's Shark Week? So they've been doing this cross marketing <laughs> thing. I don't have that channel. That's so great. Yep. <laughs> so doing a lot of clips of King Shark from the movie and he looks fantastic. <laughs> and it's all cross promotional with Shark Week, of course. It works. It's perfect. They still smart. There's some gnarly, gnarly things of that character in there. Like the first trailer that they they the first trailer they did was the Red Band trailer. Yeah. And it's just like, oh my God, they she's full on just eating people. And it's just like it would have been a horror film if you just would have changed the uh the score. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, there was one review that I read because the early reviews are just coming out. And the guy said something to the effect of, I can sum this movie up with three words, mayhem, gore, and profanity. Yep. <laughs> I am here yep. for it. I am here for it. Mm -hmm. And this ties really well into a lot of what uh, James Gunn has been saying. Because right now, of course, everyone's doing the press junkets to push you know, the interest in the movie before it comes out. And James Gunn's given a lot of interviews the last few days. And some of the more interesting points that he's brought out during the course of these interviews is that he feels like he wants to keep making DC movies more than he wants to keep making Marvel movies necessarily. Oh, make makes sense, man. Like I mean, he has like freedom, you know, freedom to do kind of the stuff that he kind of cut his teeth on. Oh, just, yeah. Just like ball, balls to the wall, like bug bug nuts, like crazy horror and action. Oh yeah, I mean, he you came know? out of the whole trauma studio system in New Jersey, and anybody from trauma is a little bit crazy. So, yep. <laughs> but he's allowed to go hog wild with the characters. I imagine when you're when you're making a Marvel movie and they sit down, and they go, "Okay, we're making Ant Man three. Here are twenty things that must happen in this movie because we've got mm -hmm. ten other movies coming after it, and these this sets that up. So, make any movie you want, you just must include these twenty plot points." Lord, I wish Edgar Wright could have suffered through that. <laughs> he could. I wish he, he could have just it. suffered for just a just a little bit. Just suffered just a little bit, please. You're exactly right. You can save save us from Peyton Reed. Oh, <laughs> and they're giving and they are giving Peyton Reed the Fantastic Four as well. I know. I don't hate Peyton Reed. He's a little vanilla, but he dude, he's, come on. He's man. serviceable. He's. I don't know. He's, he always just, he feels like kind of like a workman kind of director, which is what Marvel wants. They want somebody who's going to go in there and shoot shit in focus, you know, and hit all the plot Yay, points. Yeah, that's and exciting. Do, and that's do so the exciting, beats Thomas. that perpetuate the story they, the way they want to perpetuate it. He's going to so make exciting, a Kevin Feige Tommy. movie. Maybe it will be exciting. <laughs> Maybe if the producers and the writers come up with a, you know, a, a Cracker Jack fucking story. Then all he's got to no, do is go they, out and shoot that shit. They need somebody like Spielberg on Fantastic Four, man. Fantastic Four needs to be the second coming. Like there, it's it's X Men, it's X Men and Fantastic Four that is coming next. You know, like like these need to stand out. They can't feel like any of the other stuff. They can't. Not Fantastic Four. After Fantastic Four has never never been giving. It, the treatment that it should have had. No, of course, but I think there, as much as the books always had the Marvel House style, these these comics and these movies have that in common. They have a house style. Ant Man is done in the Marvel House style. We'll talk about it later, but Black Widow is done in the Marvel House style, and. 
It's a formula that largely works. It doesn't let you go batshit crazy off the rails, but it's guaranteed to give you something pretty damn palatable every time out. And that's the bet you hedge. That's the bet you're hedging. Yeah. Okay. I still prefer like a more elite director to do Fantastic Four. I mean, I would too. Somebody who gives it some kind of style and flavor, but I know that, you know, Fantastic Four is going to be this linchpin of whatever comes after it. And I think that Marvel's going to want it to be as versatile and multi-serving a movie as they can have. I don't know if that leaves a lot of room for style, but I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Um, so let's see what else has been going on recently. I, you and I actually both saw that same clip um, since, you know, we're talking about clips on the internet of Michael Winslow on America's Got Talent. Isn't that weird? What the hell? It's, I I simultaneously agree and disagree with it. It, re- it reminds me of when the, the actor that played Superboy on The Adventures of Superboy Audition for Clark and uh, Clark and Lois, Lois and Clark. Oh man! Like <laughs> uh, then they they're like, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. I mean, you you've been a star. It's not like you're up and comer. So right, because it feels like the show's for up and comers necessarily. He's made yeah. an entire career. Yeah, he. I'm sure he could book a show somewhere, and people mm-hmm. will know who he is. You know what I mean? So, oh, I, I guarantee you, I'm, if he had comedy shows in New York City, he sells them out. You know, that's the thing. Yeah. This is a guy who can still sell out a room anywhere in America. Maybe not the biggest room, but, you know, go back. Remember back in the day, uh, uh, put him in the back room of the comic shop, you know, of Meltdown. Mm-hmm. He'd sell out Meltdown yeah. every night uh, if it still oh, existed. Yeah. So, so that's the only reason why I'm a little iffy on him being on the show. Also, yeah. those of us who know his comedy and have seen his comedy routines from the 80s and 90s, he's he's a shadow of his current, you know, of his former self. Yeah, I mean, he's older, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's endearing or sad what we're watching. Well, I don't know. Um, I have seen on that show that, you know, people go on that show that, that actually, you know, they do their own shows and, you know, like they they have like... Um, a following that's fair but they 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 just haven't made it super big yet but that's just the odd thing about michael like he's he's in like like legendary movies and you know stuff like that so i I don't know well and from the interview it seems like he has something to prove because he apparently left hollywood when his wife died so that he could raise his children he sort of left at the height of his fame for people who don't know who michael winslow is he was in all of the police academy movies as the sound effects officer and he also was the guy who was manning the radar in Spaceballs, among other, you know, notable appearances. But he is known for mm. doing sound effects with his mouth that most people can't do with a computer. So he's an incredibly talented and interesting individual. But he's had his time. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see if he uh, makes it through. I mean, that, what an oddity. I wonder if uh, a lot of the people that even judge that show knows who he is. Yeah, 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 for sure. Because <laughs> I mean, because he, I mean, he he got on the show. It's not like they turned him away. Yeah, so that's I gotta, true. I gotta see. I gotta. I gotta see that clip. Yeah, yeah. I watched the clip with him because I've always loved uh, Michael Winslow, and I I think he's fantastic. Oh yeah, he's dope. 
He's he's great, but he um he's an interesting choice for the show. Yeah, like they had one of the best sketches on Key and Peele, like such an esoteric sketch of Bobby McFerrin versus uh, uh, Winslow. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I remember. Did that. you see that yes. sketch? You saw a sketch. Yep. That sketch was fantastic, and, and only that sketch only would exist on Key and Peele. <laughs> that show is so funny i've seen every episode of that show and i also think oh, yeah. that dave chappelle's got a gripe but you know <laughs> oh yeah I mean, he's, i'm watching Comedy essential they're doing my show they're doing my show <laughs> <laughs> i can't i can't stand it <laughs> well shoot yeah. man i think we can go on and on about a bunch of stuff and i think we'll maybe we'll say it bit uh i had some other things i want to talk about but i think we're going to save it for next week um because i think we need okay. to get right into loki and black widow what do you want to do first uh dealer's choice what do you got oh we gotta leave loki for last man Save the best for the last. So we can spend another 45 minutes talking about it. That's all. I will murder you where you stand. I swear to God. (laughs) Well, I think it's going to be okay because I know that you weren't super, super plussed about Black Widow. I legit enjoyed it. And I've heard some of your criticisms Mm -hmm. already that I know you'll share with me again. And they, they are valid. But I liked it. You know, I give it. Give it a B. This is my this is my issue with Black Widow. Like she's a spy out of time, basically. Marvel messed up in the first place by not making a Black Widow movie along with all the other mainstay characters. Thor, Captain America, and Iron Man got to have their first run of their movies. Black Widow, uh, and arguably Hawkeye should have had their own. But Black Widow more than any any of the characters because she's the only female. Right, right. And uh, this this movie probably well, should have came out. That was Perlmutter's fault. That was Perlmutter's fault. Yeah. They don't like to talk about it, but the guy running the studio at that time just said no female fronted, you know, fucking movies, and he's gone now, thankfully. Yeah, ridiculous. Um, but the, honestly, this movie should have came out before Infinity War. You know, this this movie should have came out like like leading into Infinity War. I one hundred percent agree, but I won't I won't yeah. let that color my opinion of the movie because we can't change that. We can't change when it came out. It came out when it came out. I mean, I I I think the curation of these movies have a vital part to play in your enjoyment of them. You know, because like that we like oh let's re- let's release Iron Man three before Iron Man one. I, that feels like an extreme example. I don't think so because we're 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 getting treated a movie after the character has died a most heroic death, then putting a pandemic on top of that, then making it come out after these other shows, making it be released oddly before the last episode of Loki, mm-hmm. like you know when these TV shows have been proven to be arguably this is the lane Marvel should stay in, it it, it does have like an effect on how you watch them these movies like I mean. I mean, the, that's the whole thing about these movies. There's these can- canonical movies that are curated uh, and released at, a, at specific times, so one story can lead to the other. You're, you're telling me that the tag uh, ending to Black Widow meant something to you after after we already seen this character in uh, Cap- Captain Falcon? No, no, no. I agree, and I don't. I think that of all the things that releasing it when it did took you know, the toll that that took of all of those things, that teaser at the very end in the credits took the hardest hit from the chronological problem. But I I don't really care about that anyway, truthfully. Like whether you show me her recruiting, um, 
U.S. agent first and the new Black Widow second or vice versa. And I'm just saying for me personally, I don't care. That's fine. I don't know that much about what she's doing for it to matter. I mean, the good things about the movie is that they put these stunt women through hell. The fighting is fantastic in this mm-hmm. movie. You know, it, it, it very much we haven't had like a born identity out there, especially since James Bond is like, you know, been delayed for forever. But even even so, James Bond, you know, James Bond kind of stole from born identity sure. at some points and stuff. So that was the only thing that kind of had that uh, visual taste. So it was good to see that again. And um, and it was good to just like see Scarlett just on her own doing some stuff. Mm-hmm. But that being said, I do wish it was more of a spy movie. Yeah, there was very little intrigue. Most of the beats were pretty predictable yeah. and you could they weren't really trying to quote figure anything out. Yeah, that's I mean I wish it was a more spy movie with more betrayals and and like I just like that that feeling and like that engagement. Like like the way the way Scarlet was introduced um the way I should say Natasha was introduced in Avengers 1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know like she's like in this situation and it's like, she, like the way she's like, she's treating it like it's an office job. Well, she even calls back to that when she's getting her ass kicked as a means to finding out what she needs to know. And they do sort of do yeah. a send up to that in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, just more of that would have been good. A major betrayal that Natasha creates because that's always kind of been her. She's always been a kind of a compromised character Instead, it was like, look, I need to save these girls' storyline. Yeah, Rachel Weiss's betrayal is played so quick where it's like, um, I betrayed you and I contacted the Red Room and they're here to get you. But now I'm on your side. Like, it, that played so yeah. fast. There was no intrigue in it, really. But so much kick-ass fighting. Yeah, it's great, great fighting. You know, I mean, I'm, I, the climax was really too similar to uh, Winter Soldier for me. Like, another helicarrier crashing down pieces debris you know it looked it looked cool you know and then you know you you had the same problems with taskmaster that i did right well i i don't know if it's a problem for me because i'm not that familiar with taskmaster i didn't really read the avengers so i wasn't a huge taskmaster guy so i didn't really go into it with any expectations at all but i have heard a criticism that Taskmaster is basically Deadpool from Wolverine Origins, where you take a character mm-hmm. and you sew their mouth shut and you turn them into a robot, a mind-controlled automaton. And that's what you've done with the character. Now, I think in the instance of Deadpool, that sin is infinitely more egregious than if you're doing it for a character that, at least in my understanding, and I read quite a few comic books, is kind of minor, but a minor character is major to somebody. So I know there are people who are really upset about it. Well, I mean, you you take that that like vocal connection that characters have, and you 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 take you take away like possibilities of stories. You take away possibilities of of um you know like the energy that the protagonist has against the antagonist. You know, like I mean, she she winds up inviting this character to chase her near the end. You know. And, and, and it's just like, what, 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 what direction does that lead you in story-wise? You know, it's just this, it's just this mercy, mercy thing. It, it robs the character of being an antagonist, but just being a malevolent force. It might as well have been a storm or a tornado or something, you know? Well, yeah, but I don't hate that for a villain 
especially for a villain who is an agent of another villain, to simply be this kind of juggernaut. Doesn't talk, it doesn't bargain, it doesn't do anything but come for you. And we've seen that trope played out, X-Men Origins Wolverine, uh, Hellboy 1 has the same sort of silent juggernaut character of this inevitable chase. It, it helps to keep the characters moving through the story, so it's a good plot device because they can't ever stay in one place for too long because then the juggernaut shows up. Not the literal juggernaut, the physical, the, you know, the the meta, the meta metaphorical juggernaut. I'm juggernaut, bitch! <laughs> oh, God, no, don't do it. No, no, we're staying on track. Scott, I want to talk about that, but I'm not gonna. Um, and yes, she's a juggernaut. She's just coming for her. So she's not a character so much as she's a plot device. I'll give you that. Yeah. But yeah. I don't hate the yeah. plot device. Um, but Red Red Guardians, fantastic. Oh, more Dave. I'm so happy they announced after the movie came out that both David Harbour and Rachel Weiss have signed on to do more appearances as these characters. And I could give or take Great. Rachel Weiss. Rachel Weiss is delightful as an actress, and I was I think she did her role in this movie fine, but I don't find her character compelling. David Harbour is too much fun to never see again. We must see him again. Um, it's, I find it weird that, uh, Rachel Weiss was Scarlett's mother figure because <laughs> they look like sisters. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, and, and, Rachel and, Weiss, she was jumping around in the mummy when, uh, um, when Scarlett Johansson was still doing ghost world. So I, I buy it. Rachel mm-hmm. Weiss just looks really good for her age. I'm saying, I'm just saying based on the way she looks like she's 51 or something. And she just looks like her sister, so that that's that's funny to see her playing kind of a mom type when she looks just as young mm-hmm. as uh, Scarlet. <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, the family the family stuff was was pretty cool. Yeah, I, but again, I I would have enjoyed more of a singular spy thing. I would have enjoyed more if Yelena was more of the antagonist. Instead of like, because I mean, she's always been kind of like that villain in the in the books, you know. Well, I think one of the reasons so, that you hold her back a little bit in the story and in this movie is because she's going to get time. Like her future is coming. This is our introduction. So I didn't mind getting just and then what little bits of her we get are awesome. So I don't mind getting just smaller bits yeah. of her when the stuff we're gonna get and the what they did show us. They, they're all good. Yeah. Yeah, she's gonna be part of the Thunderbolts and stuff. Oh, oh and can I can I just ask uh, the guy OT uh, uh, uh the guy who played Mason, who's the guy who gets stuff for Black Widow? Does he not look like Dane Cook and Trevor Noah had a baby? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> you see it? Do you see it? You look at his face. Totally. He's South African Dane Cook. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, he, it's, I, I, I just totally like see him. that. And I gotta wonder how much money. Does Black Widow have that she can pay somebody to get her a fucking Quinjet? I mean, a Quinjet's got to be $150 million just to build it. So mm-hmm. how much does it cost to pay someone to steal one? So that that was a little bit funny to me, where at the end, somehow this random, I get stuff, you know, Morgan Freeman from Shawshank Redemption comes up with a fucking Quinjet. <laughs> Trade me some of those. Trade me some of those baseball cards and that bubble gum, and I'll get you a Quinjet. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's so true! It's so true. That's the movie I want. I want David Harbour's Alexi and and Morgan Freeman's Red stuck in that Serbian, you know, prison. 
Now, I, I thought that Andy Dufresne would be my best friend until I met Red. <laughs> <laughs> Red Guardian. <laughs> and boy, was he a guardian. <laughs> that scene's so great where the guy's like, how could you have fought Captain America? He would have been frozen in the ice in, in 1982. And then he just blows his arm up. <laughs> I want to see canonically it established that he fought uh, Isaiah. Mm-hmm. and that he doesn't know Captain America is white. And so when he sees a yeah. black Captain America again, he just says, you got younger. Mm. That's what I want. That'd be, that'd How be did cool. you get younger? That'd be awesome. Where he has, Because cool. he's been in this prison where they have a scratchy old radio, and that's all they've gotten there. And so mm-hmm. he could presumably know about Captain America, but not have any idea what he looks like. And so... If he mm-hmm. fights Isaiah Bradley in the cap costume and they're like, oh, he has a shield and he wears a red, white, and blue costume. He's like, yeah, I fucking fought that guy. Mm. And then years later, he sees uh, Sam Wilson and he'd be like, where did you get wings? <laughs> <laughs> I can never tell how old black people are. <laughs> <laughs> what is this black zone crack? <laughs> <laughs> oh my my Russian accent is actually worse than Ray Winstone's, but um but not by much. <laughs> <laughs> but not by much. Oh man. Uh so that's that's really what I got to say on that. I think it's fun. If you wanna push some popcorn in your face and watch some really talented stunt ladies beat their bodies up for money. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> this film has that in spades. So what a stunning uh, uh, wording for that movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, watch these women break their bodies. <laughs> for money. <laughs> Not just money, a whole lot of money. I hope they got a whole lot of money because they look incredible in this. And I was, mm-hmm. I was glad to have seen it. And I thought it was just good fun. The one thing before we go, though is that I'm going to reiterate something I've mentioned in how many episodes I don't even know, but I'm going to, every time I see it, I will stomp it out, which is Smells Like Teen Spirit done at quarter speed by the band Think Up Anger as the entire intro to the movie. You are not Zack mm-hmm. Snyder. Please don't Snyder all over <laughs> this fucking movie. I'm so sick. I have said this so many times. I'm going to say it until uh, I am blue in the face as Kang himself. Stop it. Stop it. I love the Snyder verb. I love the Snyder verb. Seriously. You Snyder. Don't you Snyder over just, this. <laughs> like I was saying to you earlier, I know that somebody somewhere has done the market research and they know that this plays. We wouldn't be seeing this in the quantities that we are seeing it if somebody didn't mm-hmm. figure it out that mostly people fucking love it. But you know what? I fucking hate it. I hate it so much and I wish you'd stop. So next time I watch this movie, <laughs> I am literally just forward winding through that part because I can't even sit there and listen to that shit you want to listen to a woman do a cover of smells like teen spirit go get tori amos on the line and just listen to her version (laughs) she does it at about half speed not one eighth speed and it's a very nice version this shit on the other hand i'm sick of Mm -hmm. i've said my piece i'm sorry i'm the positive one i gotta be nice but god i hate this shit i hate it so much when they do that it's so tacky and contrived Mm -hmm. and just done it's so cliche atlanta Atlanta knows all about it. Go watch Atlanta. Stop watching people do this and go watch people make fun of this. We hadn't mentioned Atlanta in a while. I'm glad we got to bring it up. 
Oh, it's coming. They release. They keep releasing pictures and stuff of the set. Oh, then they're and doing they all, season three and four at the same time. I love it. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. So yeah, and now, all so right. now let's get to the shit of it. As as Clarence, you know, Williams the Third would say, "The shit." <laughs> God rest his soul. God rest his soul, man. He would have loved this episode because this episode is bonkers. Oh yeah, man. Well, I mean, um, I was right on all accounts, Tom. So um, I'm waiting for you to say that. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that's really important to you. I'm, I'm glad that. That's <laughs> like, yeah. It's really big of you, way, way to be that kind of guy. Now, now, if I were a lesser person, I could say that he never says his name is Kang, and so this might not be Kang. It might be Immortus, or it might be Nathaniel Richards, or it might be Raman Tut. But it may be a character who never accepted the name of Kang. And secondly, I might argue that Sylvie only kissed Loki so that she could push him through that fucking door. It was a distraction. And I might also add spoilers, spoilers, so many fucking spoilers. When Arthur catches his breath, we are going to spoil the shit out of this. I'm never catching my breath. <laughs> so I concede nothing, motherfucker. That's the way I love it. But I'm going to send you something fun for your birthday, and you can count that as a token, a prize of your being correct. Because by all rights, you are correct on all fronts. I never said it wasn't Kang, I just never said it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you, you argued you argued pretty hard against that loving relationship. I know. I still think it's ambiguous. <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> I don't need Mulder to this kiss is- Scully. I just don't need it, all right? I don't need it. I think there are lots and I mean, lots I, of kinds I feel, of love. I feel like they built it so beautifully throughout this series, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As as the uh, the, the only only type of person that Loki could fall for through his journey of redemption and, and understanding himself and, mm-hmm. and wanting, to, wanting to be better, you know? Um, yeah. But um, how, to, how to even begin talking about this episode? Can we talk about how horrific it was for them to put Miss Minutes face into our face? That crap is one of the scariest that was a good things i ever scare, seen man. in Marvel. The music. Like oh maybe my the God. jump scare was great. Such a great <laughs> jump scare for Miss Minutes. Friggin' Miss Minutes beady eyes. Yo. Oh my God. And Miss Minutes is the number two in control of the entire fucking multiverse. It goes Kang, oh, yeah. Miss Minutes, and everybody else. So that was awesome. Ooh. That was great to see. And to see her interacting with Ravona Renslayer, basically saying, he wants you to have these files, which I think is basically Kang telling Ravona Renslayer everything. And Mm -hmm. moreover is Miss Minutes telling Ravona Renslayer everything that's happened. And by the way, everything is fucked now. So here's what you're going to need to know now that everything is falling apart. Good luck. Yeah, man. um, Just going, just going, like these characters finally getting to uh, Oz's castle, basically. Um, And, you know, we we had all sorts of things that we were thinking because, you know, Marvel's been, they've been pretty um, interesting on how they they kind of Mm -hmm. dole out the mysteries in all of their TV shows. Yeah, yeah. Because this is the first, this is the first time they've been able to really do that, something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like most of most of the stuff, they don't really like unveil 
like unveils something at the last minute, like you know about the villain from the start. So like they, they've been giving us all these goody mysteries to like uh, treat ourselves to. And, you know, for them to just completely unveil uh, Jonathan Majors the way they did in such like a flamboyant fashion, what, like it really spoke to like the off kilter way this show has been dealing with a lot of things. You know, this show is like Dr. Whovian. It's like has shades of Wizard of Oz in it, um, of Christmas Carol. Willy Wonka. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. All of that. Like, it's it's so, so cool, man. And it, it really, I mean, the, the casting for Jonathan Major is going to have been so perfect because he's going to be playing multiple Kangs. And this, this, this actor is so damn versatile, man. Well, he carries it. When we were done watching the episode, my sister looked at me and she was like, I want to go watch more stuff with that guy in it. Because yes. you need somebody of Jonathan Major's caliber to carry that scene because he's just going to talk for 25 minutes and you have to listen and care about what the hell it is he's going to say. I mean, it's, it is the exposition dump of all exposition dumps of an episode. Oh, yeah. I mean, you tell your sister, you tell your sister to watch The Last Black Man in San Francisco. That's the first thing I saw Jonathan Majors in. Lovecraft Country. I Lovecraft Country too. That's amazing too. But like, uh, I, like I'm talking about like a standalone movie. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like uh, the last Black Man in San Francisco. It's the first movie I'd ever seen where it was like a character that was like very specifically just like me. And you know, like as far as like getting the dimensional aspects of black people in movies, they haven't really been that good at that. And we, we've just been getting good, getting to that in the last, you know. Uh, 10 odd years mm-hmm. like showing all the different types of of uh people of color that's out there you know um so yeah i love jonathan majors for that m- movie I, and i i love him in lovecraft country and i'm so glad that he's playing kang so oh, yeah yeah this 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 was just like the biggest treat ever when that elevator opens and he's just there smiling it's like oh my god With the this apple. is so freaking crazy so many apples oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah Oh, yeah. Because, you know, rule number one, if your character is eating an apple in a movie, they're a fucking asshole. That's sort of like, (laughs) how do we make somebody seem like an inconsiderate ass? We'll have them eat an apple while holding a conversation. (laughs) I don't know why that's the rule, you know, but it goes all the way back to like Fight Club and beyond. If you Mm -hmm. just want to make somebody seem like a jerk in a conversation or aloof, Mm -hmm. because you don't give a shit. The moment has no reverence i'm gonna get apple juice on my face i'm gonna sit here and eat this apple what are we doing a loud crunches and it's so great <laughs> yep. and and of course apples being referenced uh in dr strange mm-hmm. as the first time experiment dr strange does and of course when loki's doing the little tests on his computer mm-hmm. it's about thanos going back in time and eating two apples he had already eaten mm. so the apple plays the apple plays big time and he just starts spouting off and mm. We're left with this conundrum for the Lokis. Well, first and foremost, they show up and they get offered the Faustian deal. Hey, Mm -hmm. you get everything you ever wanted. All you got to do is go away. And this is the truest test because a normal Loki always takes that deal. Mm -hmm. Infinite power. But it's just like the Matrix. You get infinite power, but you get infinite power knowing it's not really real. Oh, yeah. And how much does that matter to you? Remember they remember in the preview they had that clip of Loki being back at Asgard as a king. I I was pretty sure they were going to show like oh what you could have, but they 
Yeah, they, they never show used that. it. They never used that clip in the show that I recall. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I mean, know. That's uh, cool. I'm uh, I'm I'm glad. I mean, I, I'm I'm just really glad for the episode. Like, I'm really just happy about the whole Loki experience. You know, especially coming off the heels of like last week's episode, man. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's a tough, tough one to live up to. Couldn't be more prouder than Marvel to do things that the way the way they're doing it because. You know, um, this character, like the promise that this character has is going to be insane Mm -hmm. uh, for Marvel, especially just being a black dude that they didn't put like blue on his face and all this type of stuff. It's just a black dude. Yeah. It's like freaking awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And he's just a regular guy from 31st century who came up with interdimensional travel. He's black Rick Sanchez. The thing is, like, they, they make blackness in so many movies like a thing that's of less quality. Mm-hmm. So many times so that, like, that they, oh, well, let's make them green. Or let's turn them into an alien. Or let's make them a monster. Or let's turn them into an animal. Or or they're, they're not good enough to be on the screen. Or, like, you know, like, let's let's make their skin three times lighter. Sort of like, you know, sort of like Star Trek The Next Generation where the major prominent black characters all had facial prosthetics and no one else did. Yeah. <laughs> You're always hiding them. Yeah, I see it. So like that's what I'm saying like for like for them to like to do something like this. I mean, it's it's really big. It's really big that they're that they did something like that, you mm-hmm. know. Now that not saying that they're not going to have all different types of kings in the future, but for them for this to be the first king that they show and they just show him like just this regular ancient like black dude. Yep, who's just been around forever and sees time fourth dimensionally. It's amazing. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't have been more buzzed. You know, <laughs> nice. Now talking about that moment between uh, Sophie and Loki having the fight, ah, my heart was breaking. That might have been the you best know? fight we've seen the whole series as well. The choreography oh, yeah. in that fight was maybe the best we've seen. Yes, and there's so much stakes to it. Like, I mean, like that's when a fight really means something versus just like random choreography. Mm-hmm. You know, Loki's. Oh my God! All the looks of pain that Loki has had through just the last three episodes. Especially on this one, when he's like, I just want you to be okay. Yeah, and her complete inability to believe that his behavior is genuine. I think she believed him in that moment, but at the same time, you know, like, she's lived centuries with this pain. And and no amount of whatever, maybe three days. Yeah, at one point during the fight, she does mention, she's like, I'm older than you, by the way. Yeah. 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 Like that, that moment was heartbreaking, especially after she kills Kang with Kang saying something that's so crazy and ominous. I'll see, see you, you soon. soon. With a wink. Well, because and he knows just about everything that's going to happen. And one of the most exciting things that could have happened for him was that suddenly he didn't know. He took the, the device off his hand, the thing that helps him to keep track of time and then things changed enough that they hit a point where they entered a realm where he legit did not know what they were going to choose. And he was excited to not know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you, you saw it in his performance, the delirium. It's like, it's, it's, it's like somebody that never sleeps. Well, that's it. You know? When you know everything that has ever happened and everything that ever will happen... That if something happens that you don't know about, that's going to make you deliriously happy because he's likely bored with the task that he has at hand. And not knowing if he's going to die or not is exciting to him. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, that this is the conversations that they've had throughout this whole series, like what it is to be a villain, what a villain does, right? What, what are the what are the intentions of villains? He's explaining that he's a hero. He's like, yeah, I may do some terrible things, but you do terrible things, and you do terrible things, and you yeah. think you're heroes now. We're all villains here. Yep. And grow up, Sylvie. Yeah, grow up. You murdered <laughs> innocent people. Don't give me that. Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. You know, honestly, like, I mean, he had me, he had me. It's just like, yeah, that makes sense. He's like, okay, it's like either do this or let the infinite amount of me destroy everything. (laughs) And for Loki to basically lay out like, hey, I'm a liar. I know liars and he ain't lying. Yeah. Because that's the thing. That's the thing about lying. Lying always comes from a position of weakness. You don't lie in a position of strength. You only lie when you need to obscure the truth because the object of your lies has some power to do something you don't want them to do. If the person you're Mm -hmm. speaking to has absolutely no power by your estimation, then there simply becomes no reason to lie to them about how things are going to be. And so he looks at him and knows, here's this guy who has lived for since the beginning and to the end of time because he exists as a fourth dimensional being outside of it. He has nothing to gamble. He has no reason to lie. Oh yeah. He's telling the truth and they're about to find out. And I just thought it was like for somebody like Sylvie, who has been planning and working and scheming for so long to not just give Loki the benefit of the doubt and just listen to him for a moment to just, just, Stop. Like, I'm not saying we have to go along with his plan, but let's not do yours right away. Let's just talk about what we're going to do. It's like, no, he dies now. So I felt a little impulsive for her, and I felt like maybe Loki had earned that level of trust. But through the fight, she accuses him of trying to betray her and take the deal. Mm -hmm. And so I would have felt she would have just... give. What's five minutes? You're in a realm of infinite time. What's five minutes? Mm Mm-hmm. But she won't give five minutes. She wants to kill the guy. Yeah, she's been waiting. She's been waiting for this forever. And she, she's the most Loki. Loki. It's sort of like a Rick and Morty. Who's the most Rick? Rick. She's the most Loki. Loki. When she's like, no, Mm. I choose free will and anarchy. That is what I choose. If my choice leads to war and anarchy and insanity, well, then at least that's a natural course of action and not this predetermined manipulative shit we've been living in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, man, what a pickle. Like, I mean, that's, it's, that, it's, that sort of, it's that sort of stranglehold storytelling that keeps you just, like, wrapped to your seat. Like, what, what direction do you go? And then, you know? Yeah, and then we get right from there and we go back to the TBA where she shunted Loki off to and we find out there's something wrong with this TBA. No more three yep. timekeepers. There is only Kang. So then one of two possibilities mm-hmm. is either somebody went back and changed that TBA in the past or there are multiple TBAs doing the identical work, which I think is the more likely solution. I don't think he went back to a TVA where somebody, you know, back to the future did and changed everything in the past. So now everything in the future is different. I think that there are multiple cooperative Kangs, each dealing with their own sacred timelines, that you have multiple sacred timelines across the multiverse. 
And they're all just keeping their relative rogue Kangs from ever developing. That they work in cooperation, that they share intel, and that there isn't, it isn't that one Kang destroyed all the Kangs. I think the Jonathan Majors we saw was the Kang that formed the Council of Kangs, which we get from the comic book, which is basically an infinite number of Kangs who have all decided to work together to keep the anarchic, destructive Kangs at bay. And that you either join the Council of Kangs or all of the Kangs will wipe you out. So that's what I think. I think what happens is she kills him and now he's not around to prune the branches on his particular tree. And that tree is about to go crashing into all the other trees. It was so crazy how to see that one single time stream just turn into like a litany of branches. Is just like insane, like to see that, you know, we would trip out when we saw one branch. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it just makes me so excited about Spider-Man and Doctor Strange and like like how Wanda figures into this, because as a Nexus being like she's going to be a little unfuckwittable, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, when it comes down to this sort of stuff. Yeah, there are presumably no other Wanda's. That is one yeah. conceit from the comics is that there is only one Wanda. Yeah. Um, oh, and another fun thing that this does is this basically rounds out our young Avengers. Yeah. Because Iron Lad is Nathaniel Richards is Kang. Yeah. So yeah. we've rounded they, out our young Avengers now. I don't know. I don't know if they've casted that young boy from Iron Man 3 as Iron Lad. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though they have Ironheart coming up too, so we'll see. I mean, I mean, I feel like there's a reason they showed him in the uh, the funeral for Tony Stark. Well, I think because he was one of the few friends that Tony had. Tony doesn't have a lot of friends, but like that kid basically saved his life. So I think they yeah. stayed friends. Yeah, that's the only reason. I don't think Harley Keener is Iron Lad. I don't think so. Um, no, okay, no, because it's it's definitely. A Kang who learns that he is doomed to be evil. So he decides, fuck it, I'm leaving. I'm going to go and I'm going to join the Avengers as a teenager. And that'll keep me from fulfilling my evil destiny. And then Mm -hmm. he goes and kills his future self. And that changes things. And now all the Avengers are dead and all his friends are dead and everything's wrong. And he realizes um that time is immutable and that he must become Kang the Conqueror in order for everything to happen mm. the way it should. So mm. that's where I thought that this was going, that whoever, that it was going to be Mobius at the end, basically saying, I went to burn it all down and then I did and it fucked everything up. So now I've spent eternity making sure it exists. But this is functionally the same with, with Kang saying, it's my job to just make sure this shit goes well and that everything stays mm-hmm. stable and you can kill the dictator but you aren't going to like what fills the void. Mm-hmm. So all in all, this series, man, what, wow. It's just like it stands on the top of so many of the movies. It's, it's mm. crazy. You know? They're going to have to find a way to lock this time shit down, though, because it's so hard to wrap your head around. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's why he's going to be such a crazy threat to the Marvel Universe. Because I was thinking maybe he wasn't worried about being killed because he literally hadn't even been born yet, you know? So, like, what does that matter? So maybe this exact iteration of Immortus or Kang or whatever comes back. Maybe it's a slightly different one. Like, 
when you, I was explaining this to my sister uh, where I was explaining, I was like, they have the Thor core, which is an army of Thors. You have the parliament of doom, which is an army of Dr. Dooms. You have the mm. council of reeds. You have the council of, you know, so it's like every character, you have the spider verse. Every character in the Marvel universe is a literal army unto themselves. Once you crack this mm. door open. So it's going to be hard to close yeah. that door once you're done. Yeah, I can't wait to see what they do with Hugh Jackman. That's going to make everybody go nuts. Oh, dare dream that dream. I mean, you saw he teased it already. I know, I know. But what does it mean? Oh, and we finally, one last thing to, 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 to touch on before we go is we've got Deadpool and Korg in the same commercial. Did you see this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Deadpool has finally touched, officially touched the Marvel Cinematic Universe in appearing in mm -hmm. a teaser trailer for the the new guy or the free guy. Free guy. Uh his new movie where he finds out he's living in a simulation. And he does the mm -hmm. he does the commercial as Deadpool with Taika Watiti as Korg, and it's fucking amazing. It's so good. It's awesome. Keep doing what you're doing, Marvel. We'll we'll keep kissing that ass if you keep making good stuff. That's right, baby. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and thank you. Thank you again for making the Black Widow, even if Arthur doesn't like it. I know he appreciates the fact that the main character wasn't black because he's tired of that trope. <laughs> <laughs> if Natasha Romanoff is black and they call the movie Black Widow, Arthur's got to check out immediately. He's like, boop, change the channel. Not doing it. You know me so well. I do. I do. I do. But that's only because I follow you on social media, Arthur. Now, if there are other people who don't know you as well and they didn't get your plug in the beginning of the episode why don't you go ahead and give it to them again just for all things arthur go to arthurromeo.live and uh, you can also check out my instagram draw really awesome wow all with underscore and at dreamboat82 and um yeah like check out check out the book that we're that we're that we've made it's called forgotten baby it's uh, about a, a girl's trip through foster care uh, which is near and dear to my heart because I went through foster care and it wasn't pretty. So, uh, sour note to end on. But uh, <laughs> Aww, <laughs> take shit. it take it away, Tom. <laughs> if you want to find me, you can find me on Instagram at Thomas Olton. You can also find the Instagram for our podcast at Tales to Admonish with all underscores, the way Instagram does it. And if you like the show, please go onto your podcast app and rate and review us because that helps with the visibility of the podcast and help other people find us. So, if you enjoy the show, help us spread the word. So, until next time, we will be seeing you on Tales to Admonish. Oh my god, I'm gonna have so much stuff to cut out at the end there. I was so tongue-tied for that outro. I don't know if people know, I don't write these down in advance. I'm just making this shit up, which is the story of my life. He's a genius! Uh, I wish. Alright, buddy, thanks for coming. See you next time. Bye!